0: In the mood a little bit with the story. Good moms let you lick the beaters. Great moms turn them off first. <laughs> do beavers even know what they're doing, or do they just see water flowing down a river and think, "Absolutely not." Y'all ever tried driving the speed limit and thought they can't be serious? (laughs) Can't stop thinking about the people who first ate mushrooms through trial and error. You know, this one tastes like beef, this one killed Kevin, and this one made me see God for three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I love President Joe Biden. I love Donald Trump, I love Camilla Harris, I love Nancy Pelosi. By the way, loving our nation's leaders is not an indicator of our acceptance of their policies. I love people in my family, too. It doesn't mean I always agree with them. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, go make disciples of all nations. If you're going to disciple a nation, you have to love its leaders. If you're going to disciple a neighborhood, you have to love its people. If you're going to disciple... In a church, you have to love your fellow church members. Lenz Walnow said the Muslims are currently discipling seven nations. Christians have not even managed a single city. It's probably because every time somebody doesn't see things our way politically we start going to a different church. You know, if the enemy would fail at his mission of getting us divided, then the Lord would win at his mission of changing the world. It's never on the Lord. He's waiting for us to step in to that moment, to this identity, this mindset of kingdom is mindset of change Alan taught last week out of the book of Romans do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind well you shouldn't go to that church they'll brainwash you yes that's the idea that you have your brain washed, you have your brain renewed, that you, you, you don't think like a specific church, you don't think like a specific pastor, but that you, you think like the king. You think like King Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Religion is finding enemies within one another. Kingdom is a unified vision for kingdom purposes. Religion values impersonal rules and regulations. Kingdom is loving people who think different. Religion is not associating with people who are different from us. Kingdom is loving people where they are, while modeling who they can become. Do you have the mind of Christ? I heard a pastor say once, when you find yourself driving and somebody pulls out in front of you going slow, that's the Lord teaching you patience. I was not impressed. (laughs) Oftentimes I'm really not interested in learning patience. What I'm interested in is getting to work on time. (laughs) I was driving home the other day. You know, like 2 miles before you get to your house and your brain just completely checks down, checks out, right? It's like shutting off your computer and it's it's beginning that sequence and I suddenly find myself following the county's slowest driver. And I was frustrated and I said out loud, "God, why do people drive so slow?" And I'll never forget the Lord's response. Why do you drive so fast? <laughs> See, it's really not about patience, is it? It's about love. And kingdom people love. Sometimes the only Jesus that people will ever meet, the only Bible that they will ever read is you. Do you have the mind of Christ? We're going to be in the book of Daniel. I'm going to be kind of all over it, but we're going to begin in Daniel chapter 1. So if you brought your Bibles, open to Daniel chapter 1. I have some of the verses that are going to be up on the screen, but um, if you don't usually bring your Bible to church Why would you go to war without a sword? Bring your Bible to church. Israel finds themselves... You see, this is why old-time pastors used pulpits, because they had shelves and things everywhere. (laughs) Israel finds themselves in Babylonian captivity. And King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon comes to Jerusalem and completely besieges the city. And he commanded some of the Israelite boys to be completely sequestered to work in his courts. These guys were POWs, prisoners of war. They had been set apart to learn the literature and the language of the people of Babylon. And their names were Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. And they were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel's name was changed to Belshazzar, which was the name of King Nebuchadnezzar's god And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9 says, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. This was the individual who had been placed in charge of them. Verse 17 says, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel in visions and dreams. Then Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He has a dream that's so profound that he knows it means something, but he doesn't know what. So, he summons all the magicians, all the enchanters, all the sorcerers, all the Chaldeans, which is like a word for astrologers, to tell the meaning of the dream. And They all get in and he tells them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled. And they said, tell us the dream, and we will tell you the interpretation. Ah, but the king's no dummy. He knows that they're going to just make something up if he tells them the dream. And so his response is, if you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. Imagine how you feel when you have no idea what that dream meant. Basically this, I know what you're trying to do. I will tell you my dream. You will make up the interpretation, but that's not how this is going to go down. You tell me my dream and the interpretation, and if you don't, I'm going to kill you and destroy your family. Well, of course, they can't do that. That's not, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, they say. And the king was furious, and he did exactly what he said. Demanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed, of whom are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You ever been in a moment that's so against you that you can't see God? You ever been up against a battle that's so intense, so deep, and so terrifying that you think even God probably doesn't have a solution for this? But let me tell you, and we're going to hear about it today, there's no problem that you could have that the Lord does not already have a solution for. In fact, I believe everything that we will ever need has already been paid for on Calvary. Evidently, Daniel was not in the room because when the king's guard comes in to get him, the guard tells him what's going on, and Daniel requests the king to set a time that he might show the king the interpretation. Remember, we read earlier that the Lord had given Daniel a special favor for interpretation of dreams and visions. So, Daniel makes the request known to the other boys, tells them to pray to God about the dream so that he and his companions will not be destroyed along with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. And the Lord shows Daniel the dream. Daniel blesses the Lord. And then he talks to Arioch, who was the guard, the one whom the king had appointed to kill them. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation of the dream. So notice, he's prayed to God. He sees the dream. The Lord shows him the dream. The Lord shows him the interpretation and now he's going to request presence with the king. If you're Daniel, you got to be terrified, right? What if you doubted God? And what if you thought, oh, that vision, that, that dream that I got, maybe that wasn't it. You're going to die, right? The stakes couldn't have been higher. In Daniel chapter 2, which is where we'll go, I should turn there too. I thought I set it up, but apparently I didn't. There it goes. It's one of these thousands of straps. Go to Daniel chapter 2. Let's go to verse 25. Then Ariog brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and thus said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Balthazar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No. No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries may know to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So Daniel begins to show the king what his dream was, and then he begins to do the interpretation. And the dream was that there would be other kingdoms that would rise up against Babylon, which scholars have since traced back to the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and uh, some scholars say events in Europe, and other ones say future events, And then Daniel says in verse 44, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. And Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, paid homage to Daniel, and says, truly, your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. What a miracle. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, I'm gonna kill you To Your God is a God of gods. Time passes, and Nebuchadnezzar sets up an image of himself made out of gold. And then he commands the people that when they hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the tridgen, which I have no idea what that is, the harp and the backpipe, for that matter, I don't know what a lyre is, whatever, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that the king has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship, that person will be thrown into the fiery furnace. So the music sounds and you hear the rustling of people dropping down. And the ones left standing are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are good Jewish boys, and they've studied the text. And they know what happened in Exodus when their ancestors made a golden calf. And they know the verse in Exodus... Where the Lord said, do not bow down to any image that you have made. For God is a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. These are good Jewish boys, and they know that. And so they stood firm. And of course, you can imagine the king is incensed, right? He just had this decree, and now he's mad. And he goes into this rage, and he approaches the boys, and he says, Hey, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Are you ready to bow down and worship? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply, We have no need to answer you on this matter. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, be it known, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Filled with fury, Nebuchadnezzar orders the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than it usually is. In fact, it was so hot that the guards who were bringing the boys to the furnace ended up being killed. And as the furnace burns hot, the king is watching, but something is weird in the furnace. And he says to one of his counselors, Were there not three men that we placed in the fire? Yes, king, there were three. But I see four. And one of them has the face of the gods. Who who do you think the fourth one was? Jesus. So, he goes to get the boys out, the furnace, but he's astonished to see that their hair is unsinged. Their clothes don't smell like smoke. They are completely unharmed. And the king says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he makes a decree any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Hey, he's learning. He goes from worship a golden image of me to speak no nativity of God, and if you do, I'm going to kill you. Why? Because four bold Jewish POWs have decided in their heart that they will not waver their faith, that their faith is in Yahweh. Or as we sang that song, of course, they didn't know the name of Jesus quite yet, but I speak Jesus. They were speaking the name Yahweh. Actually, they probably weren't because you weren't allowed to say God if you were a good Jewish boy. They, they revered the name of God so much that they wouldn't even speak it insurmountable opposition but here comes God in their situation then Nebuchadnezzar has another dream i won't get too deep into it cuz we're going to run out of time but Nebuchadnezzar writes about it in Daniel 4. We know that it's Nebuchadnezzar writing because it starts off with the phrase, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace, and I saw a dream that made me afraid. The magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers came, and I told them the dream, but they couldn't interpret it. At last, Daniel came before me. And the Lord once again has shown Daniel the dream, which troubled even Daniel. And he says to the king, O king, my lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Did I mention these boys were POWs? They were taken from their home in Jerusalem, and they find themselves in service of an evil king. Sometimes when things get hard for us and we begin to reason, you know, maybe God is not in this. If God was in this, surely it wouldn't have so much opposition. Maybe we're not in the will of God. If this was from God, surely it would be easier I want you to think of something. Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted of the devil. Who led him there? The Holy Spirit. It wasn't the devil. Oh, I did something wrong. I need to leave. It's dark over here. What if I'm not in the will of God? Listen, if you don't encounter a demon once in a while, you need to check to make sure you're not going the same direction. This can't be from God. It's too difficult. And I'm saying some of your dark seasons are precisely in the will of God. And what if Nebuchadnezzar is dreaming again? Oh, this world is so evil. Have you seen what such and such political leader has done? Things are tough in my neighborhood, in my job. Surely the Lord wouldn't put me in that situation. He would put you in that situation. And don't call me surely. We even make prophecies of it, right? As Christians, to make ourselves feel better. Well, you know, in the last days, the church is going to get brighter and brighter, but the world is going to get darker and darker. Don't be ridiculous. If the church is getting brighter and brighter, why is the light only in the church If Jesus said, you are the light, do you live in church? No. The world should be getting brighter everywhere you go, right? This is way better than the credit you're giving me. I want people to encounter God in this church. I really do. I think we've all been very public with our desire to, for people to have encounters with God. And I want people to feel comfortable here. But what I really want is for you to be a light within your own neighborhood, within your own job. What I really want is for the church to be a training camp, for you to be a light out in your sphere of influence. We did a campaign some years ago called Be The Light. Do you remember that? Because several of you were here, some of you still wear the shirts. People are watching your every move and they wanna know, how do you respond to a financial crisis? How do you respond to a relational difficulty? How do you respond within your marriage? What if, what if you positioned yourself to be so full of light, so full of joy, so full of the presence of God that even the darkest people say there's something different about them? What if you positioned yourself to be the light in a dark world? I think that we're in a day of reckoning. I think that we're in in a day where, you know, as Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. I think that the Lord is scanning for people who will just say yes. I think the Lord is looking for people who really believe that God is who he said he is, that Jesus really died for all mankind and that that was only the beginning. But that you, he can preach better than you, he can play music better than you, he can build friendships with people better than you, but he chooses to partner with you. He chooses to co-labor with you And what if things aren't happening, not just in our life, but even in our our realm, our sphere of influence? What if things are not happening because he hasn't fully gotten our yes? All right. I think we should have all done shots of espresso before church. I know. It's a little little tense, and I have more jokes if we need to go to them. Daniel chapter 6. We'll go through that story really fast Uh, let's start in verse 3 then this Daniel became distinguished above the other high officials and satraps I love this next phrase because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom so Daniel's about to be set in charge of the whole kingdom. I think we've read this story once before, right? Remember when we learned about Joseph? Similar experience. The Bible has themes. Okay, get back to me with your response. Verse <laughs> 8 Then these high officials and satraps came to agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. The high officials of the kingdom and prefects of the satraps and counselors and the governors agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition, which is a prayer to any God or man for 30 days, except to you, O King Darius, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So they're kind of tricking the king. Therefore, King Darius signs the document and the injunction. So they don't want Daniel to be in charge. They're basically tricking the king because they know that Daniel is not going to bow down. They know that Daniel's God is Yahweh. He already has a history, and by now he's kind of an old guy. And so they're tricking him, and then what happens? Well, exactly that. He doesn't bow down, and he gets thrown into the lion's den Verse 20, as he came near to the den, we're talking about Darius, where Daniel was. I'm kind of speeding through it because we're running out of time. I know you're hungry. (laughs) He cried out in a tone of anguish. The, The king has realized what's happened. And his friend Daniel is in the lion's den of a law that he signed and can't revoke. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, whom you serve continually, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? And then he hears this voice from the lion's den. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm and Darius also makes a decree I make a decree that in my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel for he is the living God Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion's den. And I'm wondering, has God put you in a lion's den so that you can show the king that God is actually the king? Worship team, come up here. Sorry, that was so bossy. Worship team, please come up. I get excited and have to calm down. (laughs) Over his lifetime, Daniel has served four kings. He served Nebuchadnezzar, whom we spent most of our time on. He uh, served with Belshazzar, who did not have a good experience. You should read about that. Then he served Darius, and then he served, served Cyrus. And in fact, with Belshazzar, you've heard the phrase, well, I've seen the writing on the wall, comes out of that story. And in the book of Isaiah, and also in the book of Jeremiah, there was a prophecy about the captivity and the time in which the captivity would end, and that Cyrus would be the king at the time. Now at this point, Daniel is an old man. And Daniel, a student of the Bible, now serving under Cyrus, comes to Cyrus with this biblical scroll. And he says, Daniel, I'm in Cyrus. It says 70 years. 70 years of captivity and then we're supposed to go back. That's some 150 years before those prophecies were written. And and Cyrus, your name's in the book. We're supposed to go back. And so Cyrus decrees that they will go back and you can read about that in the book of Ezra, but what was not prophesied in Isaiah or Jeremiah was that Cyrus would finance the trip back. It's amazing, right? But it gets better. Cyrus wrote a bill of rights concerning the preservation of human rights in occupied cities after his capture of Babylon. There's actually a picture of it. In 539 BC, it's called the cylinder of Cyrus or the edict of Cyrus. And it's a bill of rights used by the United Nations today. Isn't that crazy? written some 500 years before Christ, some 2,500 years ago, and the United Nations still uses it in its charter to this very day. Who wrote it? Cyrus. Who was training Cyrus? Daniel. What if the Lord has placed you in the situation you're in, in the neighborhood you're in, in the church you're in, in the company you're in, in the grocery store you're shopping at, at the coffee shop where they make your cold brew. What if the Lord has placed you in this place for this time, for this season, so that you would bring kingdom influence? What if the Lord is saying, I know it's hard. I know you're struggling. I know you're having issues. But I put you in there because I put you there to give you a victory because ultimately I, the Lord speaking still, I want to have the victory. And I want to do the victory through you. I want to bring world change through you. Will you send? What if the Lord has strategically placed you in your realm of influence because he wants to bring world change through you because he wants to co-labor through you let's worship